Hi, this is Carly, Recovered Alcoholic. Welcome back to North Star Big Book. We are on to the forward to the second edition. If you are just joining us for the first time, welcome. You can start with the first podcast episode and then last week and this week. I am a recovered alcoholic and I take people through the big book. I love doing that. It's my absolute favorite thing to do in AA and I hope that this helps you. This is called North Star Big Book because the North Star is what sailors use when they're in the dark and they can't find their way home. And that's what I use in life with the Big Book. So we are in the forward of the second edition. Um, I wrote a couple of things on the top of the page. I wrote, why haven't we found it necessary to change? So we're still talking about why aren't we changing this? Why don't we move all the he's to she's or they's or hers? Why don't we take all the gods out because that's offensive? And basically, there's been tons of conferences and fights and all sorts of stuff about it. Thank God I'm not part of it. And I have just had a sponsor that showed me that this is what works. And that's what I wrote on the top of the page. So I wrote, why haven't we found it necessary to change? And I have written down, because it works. I also wrote down recovery portion, which is the first page ever that we started with, up until 164, remains the same. And then I said that the stories in the back change to reflect the fellowship. The stories in the back change to reflect the fellowship. So... We are at the forward of the second edition. Figures given in this forward describe the fellowship as it was in 1955. So remember, Bill W., who we're going to learn about in a little bit, which is one of our co-founders, got sober at the end of 1934. He doesn't. Um, he tries to carry the message unsuccessfully, except to keep himself sober, until he meets Dr. Bob in Akron, which we will read about. And in 1935, June 10th, is when Alcoholics Anonymous began. The book was first printed in 1939, and this is the second printing, so it's the second forward. And before there was AA, I never read forwards. I just completely skipped them, but this is really important. So above the first paragraph, I wrote practical program of action. And that's our whole goal, is that I have something that's practical. It says, since the original forward to this book was written in 1939, a wholesale miracle has taken place. I underlined our earliest printing voice the hope that every alcoholic who journeys will find the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous at his destination. And I wrote availability. So I want to make sure this is available and that this is attractive and effective. And I always think about this, like in this day and age with social media and computers and the internet, and all the modern abilities we have. These two dudes back in 1935 got together, they were both drunks who lived in different states, and they said, we need to pass this on. And they went to alcohol number three, and then number four, and then number five, and then there were a hundred, and then they wrote the book, and then there were thousands, and now there's like two million worldwide. And if you told me that if my life depended on it, I needed to take me and one of my girls, and we needed to create Alcoholics Anonymous Part 2, and we needed to get 2 million people to follow us, it would never happen, even with all of the advantages that we have that they didn't have, which just reminds me that this is divinely inspired and amazing. It says, already continues the early text, twos and threes and fives of us have sprung up in other communities. 
16 years have elapsed between our first printing of this book and the presentation in 1955 of our second edition. In that brief space, Alcoholics Anonymous has mushroomed into nearly 6,000 groups whose membership is far above 150,000 recovered alcoholics. And I circled the word recovered and highlighted it. And they're promising me that I'm no longer going to have a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. I wrote on the side, the book is how the fellowship grew. Members shared what they did from the book. So I wrote, the book is how the fellowship grew. And I wrote, members shared what they did from the book. So they didn't walk around telling them about their program. They talked about the book. And then they talked about what was in the book. And that book was translated into many different languages. It says, groups are to be found in each of the United States and all the provinces of Canada. AA is flourishing communities in the British Isles, the Scandinavian countries, South Africa, South America, Mexico, Alaska, Australia, and Hawaii. All told, promising beginnings have been made in some 50 foreign countries and U.S. positions. It says, some are just now taking shape in Asia. Many of our friends encourage us by saying that this is but a beginning, only the augury of a much larger future ahead. The word augury means omen, and that this is what they started, what Bill W. in that hospital started when he thought to himself, there's got to be other people that need this help. And then he went out and talked to all those other people until he found Bob. That's just crazy. So it says, the spark that was to flare in the first AA group was struck at Akron, Ohio in June 1935 during a talk between, I underlined, a New York stockbroker. And above that, I wrote Bill W. Because when I first was taken through this book, I didn't know who was who. And I want to know who I'm talking about. I want to feel comfortable with that. So Bill W. is the stockbroker from New York. We're going to read about him in Bill's story. He's a real character. And then there's the Akron physician I underlined, and that's Dr. Bob. I've heard people in AA say we all have a little bit of Dr. Bob and Bill W. in us. I unfortunately have a lot more Bill W. in me than Dr. Bob, but um, Dr. Bob was really heavily into the book and the steps, so that is exciting to me. It says, six months earlier, the broker had been relieved by, of his drink obsession by a sudden spiritual experience, which we're going to read about. And just FYI, if you haven't had one, that doesn't mean you can't be here. There's another thing called a spiritual awakening, which happens slowly. Spiritual experience happens quickly. It says, following a meeting with an alcoholic friend, I underlined an alcoholic friend, and I wrote above that, Ebby. E is an Edward. B is in boy. B is in boy. Y. That's Ebby. We're going to read about him, and that was in November of 1934. Again, all this information I have in my book just so I can know what I'm talking about, so I can be proud of where I came from, and I can share it with others. So, Ebby is basically Bill's drinking buddy, who we're going to read about in a little bit. He came because he was involved in something called the Oxford Group, which we're about to read about. The Oxford Group was the first, and I wrote this on the side next to where it says Oxford Group, because it says an alcoholic friend who had been in contact with the Oxford Groups that day. So I bracketed the word Oxford Group, and I wrote, first to use spiritual principles with alcoholics and concept of alcoholics working together. First to use spiritual principles with alcoholics and concept of alcoholics working together. And they had six steps, and we're going to go over those in a minute. 
Um, Ebby, I made a like little arrow next words as an alcoholic friend where I wrote Ebby. On the top I wrote, had spiritual experience and immediately did 12 step. So Ebby gets sober through the Axer group. Two guys showed up in court when Abby was in court because he was going to be committed for alcoholic insanity, which is what used to happen to us alcoholics. And he had a massive spiritual experience as a result of doing the extra group six steps. And then he immediately started carrying the message. And within two months, he was carrying it to his drinking buddy, Bill W., which is how we ended up finding about sobriety. Um, it says, he had also been greatly helped by the late Dr. William D. Silkworth, a New York specialist in alcoholism who is now accounted no less than a medical saint by AA members and whose story of the early days of our society appears in the next pages. And we're going to go over that also. Um, one thing I have written on the top of the page, I wrote twofold illness. And I wrote body and mind. So I have a body illness and a mind illness. The body part is the physical craving. The mind is the mental obsession. These are just new concepts we're going to talk about with our new person. And when we start really getting into it, we're going to go into the details about what that means. But I've got a, a body that physically craves alcohol once I put alcohol in it. And I've got a mind that has an obsession about it. Obsession is a thought that blocks out all other thoughts. So I underline where it says, From this doctor, the broker had learned the grave nature of alcoholism. I have a red little marker that I keep with me during a big book, and I underline anything that's like life and death and super serious in red. So when I'm leading or when I'm working with a girl and I'm flipping through my book, anytime I see red words underlined, I can read them out loud to share the gravity and the intensity of this disease because... Sometimes I'm accused of being really intense about sobriety, and I'm like, yeah, but death is kind of intense too. So right here I underline in red, grave nature of alcoholism. And they're talking about life and death. It says, though he could not accept all the tenets of the Oxford group, he was convinced of, and then I underline the rest of the paragraph, and this is the Oxford group's steps. So first we're going to underline it, and then we're going to go over it, and I'm going to, identify the ones that we've taken from it and I circle the words the need because it's like a big deal the need for I underline moral inventory confession of personality defects restitution of those harmed helpfulness to others and the necessity of belief in and dependence upon God I wrote on the side practical program of action so that was the Oxer group steps we're going to go back over what we just underlined, where it says moral inventory, I wrote four. Where it says confession of personality defects, I wrote five through seven. Where it says restitution of those harms, I wrote eight and nine. And then where it says helpfulness to others, I wrote 10, 11, and 12. And then where it says the necessity of belief in independence upon God, I wrote 11. So that's our action steps right there. And I also wrote on the side December 10th, through 12th, 1934. December 10th through 12th, 1934. So Bill did those steps in those two, two or three days. It says prior to his journey to Akron, the broker, I underline the broker again, and I wrote Bill W. Because again, the new girl's not going to remember who's who. She doesn't even remember my name at this point. 
Bill W. had worked hard with many alcoholics on the theory that underlined only an alcoholic could help another alcohol could help an alcoholic. I wrote on the side, Bill was alone at this point. Here's my favorite deal. Bill was alone at this point. Here's us in, I'm in Cleveland, Ohio. There's over a thousand meetings a week in Cleveland, Ohio. I've lived in Chicago, Illinois, and there were over 4,000 a week there. And yet here we are, us special people, and we're like, there's no good meetings, and I don't want to drive 10 minutes, and blah, blah, blah. And Bill did not have a meeting. He did not have a book. He did not have a sponsor. He did not have texting. He had nothing. He just had the solution. He had a program of action, and he wanted to pass it on. And then we complain, like, we don't want to drive to another city. It says, but he had succeeded only in keeping sober himself. But I want to remember this. Bill focused on nobody was getting sober when he was trying to help them, okay? But I focus on he's staying sober while he's carrying the message. He later tweaks his message when he realizes he's scaring people away because he's telling them about his spiritual experience, which not everybody has. A lot of people in AA end up having a spiritual awakening, which is a slower process, basically where I don't really realize that I'm getting better until someone points it out to me. So, for example, if I'm talking to my sponsor and I'm pretty new, but I've been doing this work for a few months, and I tell her about how, you know, someone in my family freaked out about something, and she asked me how I handled it, and I told her, and in that telling of it, I didn't say that I, like, yelled at anyone and swore, then my sponsor will point out, like, wow, that's progress. And I'll be like, what are you talking about? And she'll be like, you didn't even flip anyone off and oh, amends anyone. And I was like, yeah, you're right. That's crazy. And that's because I can't even see that the change is happening because I'm just doing this action that I don't even want to do, and I'm still getting results from it. So Bill is only keeping him sober himself. The broker had gone to Akron on a business venture which had collapsed, leaving him greatly in fear that he might start drinking again. And we're going to go over this in Bill's story, but I love this idea. He goes to Akron because he's a salesman and he's in finance and he wants to make money. And the business venture doesn't work. And he's so broke that he cannot even like leave Akron. And he's lost and confused. And he ends up in a position where he ends up working with Dr. Bob, which creates Alcoholics Anonymous. But if you just looked at, if I was Bill, and I just looked at my failed business and no one's staying sober, at that time he probably thought, this is the worst thing that's ever happened and I can't believe my life is going this way. But when he, you step back from the picture and you pull it back farther, you realize he ended up creating Alcoholics Anonymous. So the reminder for me is that I don't always know what is good and not good for me. It says... I underline, he suddenly realized that in order to save himself, he must carry his message to another alcoholic. I circled the word must. They do not use it often in this book, but when they use it, I need to pay attention. And in, I really want to pay attention to in order to save himself. So in order for me to stay sober, I need to be willing to carry the message what you do with the message is not my business, and it's not going to make or break my sobriety, but whether I do or do not carry the message to you will. I wrote on the side, strenuous work with an alcoholic is vital. Life and death. 
Strenuous work with an alcoholic is vital. And they use the word strenuous in this book, which is why I have that written down on the side. Strenuous is vigorous. It's a lot. It's not like once a year on my anniversary. It says that alcoholic turned out to be the Akron physician. The next paragraph above it, I wrote um, some notes about what we're going to want to do when we're they're guiding us about doing 12-step work. So I wrote, tell them about the illness. That's the most important thing I can share with a new person. And remember, I don't want to tell them about their illness. I want to tell them about my illness. That's the beauty and the magic of AA is I talk to you about my problem and you either relate or you don't. And that means I need to be able to communicate clearly and simply what's wrong with me. So the problem is a physical allergy and a mental obsession. The physical allergy and a mental obsession. And I wrote next to that problem. That means the physical allergy. An allergy is an abnormal reaction to something that regular people don't have an abnormal reaction to. So when one of my sponsors eats like mango or strawberries, I can't remember which one it is. It's probably both of them. She eats it and like she stops breathing and needs like an EpiPen and needs to go to the hospital. If I eat it, my stomach just gets a little bloated because I don't know how to have like a, like two pieces. I need to have like a whole bag or carton. But regardless, her reaction is abnormal. She could die when she ingests it. My, here's how I look at it. When I put alcohol in my body, my reaction is I need another drink. I have a physical craving that gets turned on like a switch, and I need another drink. When my husband takes his one beer or one little glass of whatever he's drinking, that's it. His reaction is, that was nice. It settled me down. I'm out. I can't drink anymore because I'll fall asleep. My reaction is abnormal, and I want more. In fact, after I have the first drink, I need the second drink. And after the fourth drink, I want the fifth drink more than I wanted the second drink. And my physical craving grows and grows and grows. So it says, this physician had repeatedly tried spiritual means to resolve his alcoholic dilemma, but had failed. So Dr. Bob is a physician. He's a proctologist, which we learn later on. And he tried to get sober on his own, and he tried spiritual means, but he couldn't stay sober. It says, but when the broker gave him Dr. Silkworth's description, so when Bill W. shared what Dr. Silkworth shared with Bill, which was of the mental obsession and the physical allergy, Dr. Silkworth is who gave us step one. When Bill shared step one with Bob, Dr. Bob, and he identified the problem. So it says, Dr. Silkworth's description of alcoholism and its hopelessness. I underlined description of alcoholism and its hopelessness. I circled and its hopelessness. And in red, if you're going to do that red marker like I did, or red pen, I underlined its hopelessness because that's a pretty desperate word. Above the word description, I wrote problem. And on the side, I wrote three items. And I numbered them. I wrote number one, problem. Number two, solution. And number three, spiritual experience. So those are the three things I want to share when I'm working with somebody. The problem, the solution, and how I got the spiritual experience. So it says when, when 
But when the broker gave him Dr. Silgore's description of alcoholism and its hopelessness, the physician began to pursue, I underlined, the spiritual remedy for his malady with a willingness he had never before been able to muster. Above his malady, I wrote, solution. So the spiritual remedy that we offer in AA is the 12 steps. Step one is identifying the problem. Step two is identifying the solution. Step three is making the decision, do I want to do something different about this? Steps four through nine is clearing out what's blocking me, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit. And steps 10, 11, and 12 is how I keep my pathway clear to my higher power so I can be guided, inspired, and directed, and I can have the mental obsession removed because the only thing stronger than the mental obsession is my higher power, which is within me, but I can't feel because it's blocked off by resentment and selfishness and dishonesty and fear and all that junk. So... I then, the rest of the paragraph on the bottom, I just kind of underlined and bracketed, and I wrote spiritual experience. So that was, we identified in that paragraph, problem, solution, and spiritual experience. It says, he sober, that he is talking about is Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob sobered never to drink again up to the moment of his death in 1950. So he died about 15 years sober. And I underlined and put a star here. This seemed to prove that one alcoholic could affect another as no non-alcoholic could. On the top of the next page, I kept underlining. It also indicated that strenuous work, one alcoholic with another, was vital to permanent recovery. So I'm going to write a bunch of stuff here. Above this underlined part on the top of the next page, I wrote insurance policy in quotation marks. And the insurance policy that we're referring to is the strenuous work. The book is telling me that if I do this strenuously, one alcoholic with another, sitting down, giving my time, giving what was given to me freely, giving it freely without expectation, that I will be able to have permanent recovery. That's a pretty awesome promise. And then um, I wrote direction on the top of that part we just underlined because they're being very clear about it. And then in my red marker, I underlined vital, where it says was vital to permanent recovery. And above the word vital, I wrote life and death. And then after the word recovery in that little space before the next paragraph, I wrote what we need for permanent recovery. What we need for permanent recovery. And then in parentheses, I wrote strenuous work with alcoholics. So the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which was written by the first 100 men and women, are telling me what I need in order to recover and become recovered is to strenuously work with other alcoholics. On the top of the page, before I get into the next paragraph, I wrote, Bill knew the problem. Bill knew the problem, and I underlined the word knew that I wrote. Bill knew the problem, and in parentheses I wrote 1933. We'll learn in his story that he knew what was wrong with him in 1933. I knew what was wrong with me in 1992 when my parents got sober. I didn't get sober until 1999. So it says, Bill knew the problem in 1933, and then I wrote next to that, knowing the problem won't solve it. Knowing the problem won't solve it. So my problem isn't a lack of information. My problem is not a lack of information, and my problem isn't that I don't know what my solution is. 
My real problem of the al- of most alcoholics is application. Is am I willing to consistently do this work so I don't have to live in the problem and I can live in the solution? Okay. The next paragraph says, Hence the two men set to work almost frantically upon alcoholics arriving in the ward of the Akron City Hospital. The reason why they were frantic is they had something that they never had before, which was a spiritual awakening. And they were starving to pass it on. And they knew within themselves that they had to do that in order for them to stay sober. I underline the next sentence and it says, Their very first case a desperate one, recovered immediately and became AA number three. Um, I double underline a desperate one, and I wrote above that Bill Dodson, that's D as in dog, O, D as in dog, S as in Sam, E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, Bill Dodson, and I wrote AA number three. And then I highlighted that word recover because there it is again, promising me again that I'm going to become recovered. And it says immediately, as soon as he was given the solution and applied it, he recovered. So if you've ever seen a picture of the two old alcoholics in black and white and the man on the hospital bed, the man on the hospital bed, I believe, is Bill Dodson. I wrote on the side, tell the new guy about the exact nature of the illness. Tell the new guy about the exact nature of the illness. I want to be specific and I want to have details when I talk about this so they know that I know what I'm talking about. He never had another drink. This work at Akron continued through, I underline, the summer of 1935. So Bill W. actually couldn't get any work. He stayed in Akron from when he got there in June and through the summer of 1935, and him and Dr. Bob and Bill Dodson went out and helped random drunks. It says there were many failures, but there was an occasional heartening success. When the broker returned to New York in the fall of 1935, the first A group had actually been formed, though no one realized it at the time. And they're talking about Akron. A second small group promptly took shape at New York, to be followed in 1937 with the start, I underline the start of a third at Cleveland. And above that I wrote Borton. B as in boy, O-R, T as in Tom, O, N as in Nancy. The Borton group, many people argue about this, but my sponsor is adamant about it and I believe what he has to say. The Borton group in November of 1937 is supposedly the longest standing Alcoholics Anonymous meeting that never has closed since it started. There are many others that are still around, and we feel very proud of this. I, admittedly, did not even know one existed within like 20 minutes from my current house at the time until I met one of my sponsors at a meeting. It says, besides these, there were scattered alcoholics who have picked up the basic ideas in Akron or New York who were trying to form groups in other cities. By late 1937, I underlined the number of members having substantial sobriety time Um, behind them was sufficient to convince the membership that a new light had entered the dark world of the alcoholic. A couple of things that are super important. Where it says, by late 1937, I underlined the number of members. Above that, I wrote 40. So there was approximately about 40 members by late 1937. Where it says, having substantial sobriety time, I wrote, none had more than two years. Nobody had more than two years. Bill W. had the most sobriety, and he got sober in the winter of 1934. 
And I wrote on the side, spiritual fitness is what matters. Spiritual fitness is what matters. The reason why I stop and pause and talk about this is really important. The people who wrote this book are telling me here that the substantial members, which was 40, none had more than two years, and they were going out and carrying the message everywhere. And that completely obliterates any notion that I have heard in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous by well-meaning people who are telling people things that are not Alcoholics Anonymous based, that you need to have a certain amount of sobriety in order to sponsor. And I'm just super grateful that Bill W. and Dr. Bob did not abide by the, you need to have a one year of sobriety or five year of sobriety in order to be a sponsor. Because if they did, I would be dead. So the book tells me it doesn't matter how long I've been sober, it matters, am I spiritually fit? Now just to be clear, of course it matters how long someone has been sober. That's amazing. They're experiencing strength and hope and wisdom and consistency and life, you know, stuff to share with us is one of the most beautiful and valuable parts about AA. And I respect old timers and I'm so grateful for them showing up consistently. But what they're telling me here is in order to carry the message, I don't have to be sober a long time. I just need to be spiritually fit. And then where it says sufficient, I like triple underline that because they're saying that this was enough to convince the membership and I underline a new light had entered. And here's my red marker, the dark world of the alcoholic. So if I just step back for a second and look at these two pages open, my red marker is identified grave nature, its hopelessness, vital, and the dark world of the alcoholic. So just on this random page, I have the super depth and weight of AA here. It says, it was now time the struggling groups thought to place their message. I circled their message and I wrote 12 steps. So their message is not, to be clear, don't drink and go to meetings. The message of Alcoholics Anonymous is not 90 meetings in 90 days. The message of Alcoholics Anonymous is the 12 steps. It says, it was now time the struggling groups thought to place their message and unique experience before the world. This determination, I underline determination, and that's what we have to have when we want to carry this message, bore fruit, I underline, in the spring of 1939 by the publication of this volume. The membership had then reached about, I underlined, 100 men and women. The fledgling society, which had been nameless, now began to be called Alcoholics Anonymous. That was on 11-16-1939. 11, 16, 1939, from the title of its own book. The flying blind period ended and A entered a new phase of its pioneering time. And above the new phase, I wrote the big book. So the new phase was based on the literature from the big book, what the message of the big book. We're going to stop right here. I just want to mention one thing and then we'll stop. I wrote on the side two kinds of AA. And I got this from a Joe and Charlie um, recording that I listened to in my home group. There's two kinds of AA. And again, this is not judging. It's just the facts. Number one, there's the fellowship of AA. And this is um, not the fellowship that the book is written about. It's the fellowship like the people that go to meetings and that come after for coffee and hang out and do like parties and all that. And, um, you know, do potlucks 
and tell each other that they love them until they can love themselves and encourage the new person to not drink, go to meetings and not to rush into the steps and not to rush into the book. And, you know, we don't want to overwhelm you. Again, they, I truly believe in my heart, are well-meaning. Nobody is trying to harm the new person. But this is what they know because this is all they were given, whether it's because of the introduction of treatment centers and all of that lingo. But what the fellowship of AA that Joe and Charlie identified in my recording is they questioned the need for all of the program. Question the need for all of the program. And above, underneath that I wrote cafeteria style. So that's the whole idea about take what you can and leave the rest. Like that I can walk down the aisle of AA and take this but not that and a little bit of this and not that. My mom's sober in AA and she one she's like a slogan. She loves slogans. And whenever she hears take what you can and leave the rest, she says, and may you rest in peace. Because this is not something that I get to choose. It's all or nothing. So there's a fellowship of AA that question the need for all the program, cafeteria style. And then number two is the book of AA. And that's the program of recovery. And I wrote all of it in parentheses. So again, I'm either going to do it cafeteria style. The book tells me that half results will give me nothing. Or I'm going to do it all. And the real question I would like to ask you and ask anyone who's relapsed and come back, and this is not in a judging way, this is just my truth, is can you honestly say that you were taken through the book from the cover until 164 and that you followed every single direction and you never stopped and it didn't work? And if you can't say that you did that, then why not give it a chance? Thank you so much for your time. I'm sorry I went a little bit over. I hope you have an awesome day. That's your choice.